And I am very excited to have a special guest in the studio, Barry. Barry Nicholsberg is the Chief Development Officer um, at the Carter Center, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And you just like coming to, to Maui, right? Once well, a year? Happily, yes. Good for good for us. <laughs> um, three weeks ago, I was in Fairbanks, Alaska. So, wow. you know, you take the good with the bad. But <laughs> <laughs> It's cold there in Fairbanks it, right now. <laughs> it, actually, yes, it was. It, just a tad nippy. A little what were different you doing in Fairbanks? Well, the same thing I do here. I travel all the time for the Carter Center. And my primary job is just to let people know what the Carter Center does. I like talking about it because if I walk into a room and uh, of a hundred very well-educated people mm-hmm. and ask the question, how many of you have ever heard of President Jimmy Carter? Most of the time, almost every hand will go up. And what does he do now that he's no longer president of the United States? And most often the answer is, oh, he builds houses for Habitat. Yes, that's right. He does that one week a year. Really? Is it just one week? One Isn't week. That interesting. And 51 weeks a year. He works with the Carter Center, mm-hmm. but nobody's heard of the Carter Center. We we keep it very low profile. The president is not particularly interested in getting visibility for it. And I like talking. I love talking about it because it, it – uh, so the, let me back up just a little bit. I've been with him for eight years, and the thing that gets under my skin all the time when, when I hear people say, he's the best ex-president ever. Mm. Because what I hear is, as a president, he wasn't so great, but as an ex-president, boy, (laughs) he really stepped up to the plate. And so I ask people, um, I I just sort of get on my high horse Mm -hmm. um, pretty quickly on that one um, because I hear it a lot. And and I ask, um, did you know that he appointed more women to the federal bench than all of his predecessors combined times five? Net, I had no idea. Right. I, n- n- exactly. Well, you know what was interesting that my impression of him is he was very, very honest in a time and still to this day where all you're used to is spin doctors and not used to honesty. You know, I, and, and of course, the quintessential quote is I lust in my heart sometimes after in my mind or something, not in my heart, uh, after women. And, you know, it's like no one says that, right? You know? And he was being honest, and I think, I think it's that commitment to honesty. And his, I, I mean, I really get the sense he was just such a good man, and that is my is. impression that he's such yeah a good person that he may not have known how to spin the PR part, or that shouldn't even have to have been. And a job. he wasn't interested. And he's still not interested in spinning. He, yeah, he doesn't care who gets credit for something. What he's really interested in is making sure that whatever he thinks should be done gets done. And if somebody else gets the credit for it, and I'll give you one very quick example that most of your listeners will understand. For the final 444 days of President Carter's administration, 53 American hostages were being held captive Mm -hmm. in Tehran. Mm -hmm. It was President Carter and his Secretary of State, Warren Christopher, who negotiated the release But the Ayatollah Khomeini hated, hated Jimmy Carter because Mm -hmm. Carter refused. When the Shah was deposed, he came to the U.S. and he asked for political asylum. And we said, "Okay, you can have. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the Ayatollah 
sent word to President Carter and said, send him back. We want to kill him. Mm. And Carter said, I can't send a man to his death. I, you're not telling me you're going to try him. You're just telling me you're going to kill him. And I, I, I just can't do that. I won't do that. Uh, and so when the Ayatollah had an opportunity to embarrass and make his life miserable, he did exactly that. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly part of the reason that Carter lost re-election. Mm. That said, um, when Ronald Reagan raised his hand and said, I do so solemnly swear to, to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America, so help me God, the hostages were already loaded on a plane. And mm-hmm. when those words were uttered, the Ayatollah gave the command to let the plane go, mm-hmm. which it did, and they flew to Germany. The world went nuts. My God, the man hasn't been in office an hour, and already yeah. <laughs> he's been able to release the hostages that Carter couldn't do in a year and a half. This guy is incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, Ronald Reagan never corrected that impression, which mm-hmm. always amazed me. But what mm-hmm. amazed me even more was that Jimmy Carter never corrected it. Right. And I've had an opportunity on several occasions to just sit and talk with the man one-on-one. And I said, Mr. President, why didn't you ever correct that impression? Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, what difference would it have made? The only objective was to get those people out alive. Mm-hmm. And we did. Who gets credit for it? It doesn't matter. The job was to get them out alive. To this day, he's the same way. He doesn't care who gets credit. I'll give you another example. In 1986, the Carter Center, that bears his name, decided to try to eradicate guinea worm from the face of the earth. And it's a lot a, of people still don't even know what guinea worm is, so why don't right. you explain to people? Who it's may a not parasite know. that lives in water that uh, you uh, drink the water, you ingest the parasite, takes about 12 months to grow to three feet in length, forms a blister on your body, and then takes up to three months to crawl out. It's fairly horrific. All right, it's more than fairly horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been going on since biblical times. It's called the fiery serpent mm. in the Old Testament. And I'd never heard of it. Have uh, you heard of it, Kathy? I never heard of it. I've heard of something. I didn't know if it was called guinea worm, but I've heard of that description. It, well, if you heard of the description, it's pretty much the only thing like it. In 1986, there were three and a half million cases wow. of that disease. On December 31st, 2017, just a few weeks ago, there were 24 cases left on the wow. face of the earth. Wow. That's all Carter Center, nobody else. Mm-hmm. A year ago, I heard someone on radio, on National Public Radio, being interviewed. He was from the World Health Organization claiming responsibility for the eradication of guinea worm. Mm. And I thought, this is odd. Mm-hmm. What, this just makes no sense at all. And I went into the office and I asked our director of public information about it. And she said, just let it go. It doesn't matter. And I said, what do you mean it doesn't matter? She said, he doesn't care who gets the visibility. Hmm. He just wants the guinea worm to go away. Hmm. He wants it gone. And so I spend a great deal of time on the road talking with people about what the Carter Center does and how it does it. Because 99% of the time, people don't associate Jimmy Carter with the Carter Center. They associate him with... Habitat for Humanity. Well, the, I think that's, again, this, that's the PR spin doctor. You see the members seeing the pictures you, all over TV. You see the picture of Jimmy out there with the hammer helping to put the house together. And that's the impression you get. And that's what happens when you 
the PR happens. And I, I think that was not driven by him at all, but but habit, Habitat for Humanity. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I give them all the credit for mm-hmm. it. That, and he he doesn't say, no, 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 you can't do that. Right. Because he knows that it helps the organization. Right. But when it comes to his organization, he says, let's just take a back seat to this. We have a Center for Conflict Resolution. Mm-hmm. We were the ones, the Carter Center was the place that brokered the treaty between the, the government of Colombia and FARC, the rebels. They fought for 50 years. Mm. They finally gave up their weapons and they came to a peace because the Carter Center had stepped in and negotiated between both parties. Um, when Venezuela and Colombia closed their borders, closed their embassies, and they were rattling swords and ready to go to war, the Carter Center was able to step in. A few weeks later, things were normalized. There was no war. We've done that all over the world. How big is the Carter Center? I mean, we, how do you do and arrange these? I mean, this sounds like massive, massive projects to to, uh, to, to take care of. They are massive projects, and the most amazing part of it is that uh, President Carter has proven that you don't need an army to get this done. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are a total of 200 people in Atlanta. That's it. Um, And we work hard, and um, we get the job done, and uh, we don't brag about it. It just gets the job done. I know, you know, I I couldn't let this time go by without asking, because a lot of people heard over the last year and a half that that Jimmy Carter had, uh, President Jimmy Carter had, cancer and it was very disturbing and very a lot of people just assumed when they heard what was going on that he was going to die that he was going to pass on that this would be a fat- fatal situation so did he by the way he oh really that. yeah yeah he thought he had about two weeks to live seriously mm-hmm. i didn't know that but he was still there uh teaching sunday school and i do remember him going to the sunday school and and he's a very very spiritual man i'm gonna say spiritual over religious because I call people spiritual when they have the conviction and live by it. And I consider him living by his convictions. He certainly does. And um, it's one thing to be religious and go to church, but he does more than that. He actually lives by his convictions. He does. And that, to me, is very, very impressive. So, I mean, I have to wonder if the power of prayer... I mean, there was the world was praying for him, and he, you know, had all these beautiful children um, in these pictures of him, you know, teaching these Sunday school children... And the fact that he was still, when he was maybe only going to, thinking he could live a week or two, still going and doing his Sunday school classes. Yes, he never, even when he thought he only had about two weeks to live, he never once thought, well, I'll just sort of slow down. Because it's just not in his personality. But what happened was uh, there was an experimental drug that had been approved by the FDA in March. Uh, He was diagnosed in late June. Uh, In early July, he came forward and said, look, this is what's happening. Um, His doctors at Emory University said, Mr. President, we have this drug. We don't know if it could work with your melanoma or not, but we think it's worth a try. And he said, you're the experts. I put myself in your hands. Let's give it a try. Mm -hmm. And so he was treated for four months. After four months, they did another scan of his body, and there was no sign of cancer in his body. And he has a scan every month now, and so far, at least, there's been no sign of cancer that's returned. And he's 93 now? He's now 93, yes. I mean, to even be able to continue um, if you didn't have cancer is almost unbelievable at that age, but then to have cancer and still continue the schedule... 
Um, yeah. I think only your faith in that, your commitment and belief can really drive you to that point where you have the ability to do that. Well, he said he was going to slow down, mm-hmm. but uh, we all thought, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Gonna, we'll believe it when we see it. Um, he hasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. He's He just does not slow down. Um, his mind is as sharp today as it ever was. And um, he, he really is a remarkable human being. So when you have an organization like this that sets a pretty high bar, um, how do you make plans for the fact that he is 93, he had this health scare? Oh, thank God he's okay now. But where, and obviously there's a legacy here that has to be continued. So where does that how do you make these plans to have the work continued? What he decided to do when he created the Carter Center in 1981, after he left office, um, he said, I will only hire the best of the best, period. It mm. We'll let a position go empty mm-hmm. before we will fill it with someone who is not the person for the job. Mm-hmm. And so he has surrounded himself with 200 people all of whom my colleagues are amazing people. They're just, they're, I, I, I just can't speak highly enough about them. And what happens uh, um, with the government of Columbia and FARC, uh, that was not Jimmy Carter. That was one of our staff. Uh, that was Jenny Lincoln. And when it was uh, Sudan, uh, North Sudan, well, Sudan became North Sudan and South Sudan, and the conflicts there and all the negotiating that's gone on there and all the work to build a constitution, all of that is actually John Goodman. Uh, it's not Jimmy Carter. It's it's Jenny Lincoln and it's John Goodman and it's Herrera Belain and it, it just the list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. I am surrounded by the best of the best mm-hmm. and they get the job done. They get it done under the name of the Carter Center. Mm-hmm. And, and make no mistake, there are times when it really helps to have President Jimmy Carter get involved. Mm-hmm. But he knows and we all know that there will come a time when he cannot be involved mm-hmm. anymore. But the corporate culture is one of you simply expect excellence every time. But there is a list of priorities. Yes. And it, I assume from what you're saying, it sounds like he's making those priorities of what's important at this point, but I'm sure it's partly a group effort too. So how do you set? I mean, this is, you know, you have this amazing track record. You have this ability of the best of the best. I mean, that puts on you a very heavy burden of saying, okay, we have to pick what we can do, and we can do amazing things, miraculous things, but how do you go about deciding what, with so many things to do, you do? Well, first of all, I have to say that we are allowed to fail. He, he said failure is acceptable as long as you gave it the best shot. Mm-hmm. And what, what did you learn from it? Um, I'll give you one quick, for instance, we went into Ethiopia to build 825 latrines, um, specifically to try to determine whether or not we could counter a disease called uh, trachoma. I won't go into the details of it at the moment. Um, In the first day we were there, um, some of the women in one of the villages asked if we could build more latrines. Mm -hmm. And when we asked why, they explained that in their culture, a woman is not allowed Mm -hmm. to either urinate or defecate in sight of a man. And there was no place for them to go unseen, no Mm -hmm. hills. So they had a choice. They could either retain 
until it got dark, or they wow. had to go in the water, which they used for cooking and cleaning. Oh my. Oh. And so women were dying of oh. UTIs and bowel obstructions. Wow. Because they couldn't hide from a man. I mean, wow. if you retain all day long, you're going to get a UTI. There's just, I don't know how else to, at any rate, we started building more latrines. That was five years ago. We just built our six millionth wow. latrine. We have wow. there is no longer in Ethiopia there is no uh, guinea worm disease anymore. There is no river blindness that we know of. Trachoma's been cut in half. I could go down the list of diseases, and this amazing simple thing of a latrine teaching people how to build them, how to use them, how to take care of them, and how to wash afterward so that they don't get other diseases. Uh, the the work has been absolutely remarkable. Do you get a chance to coordinate with people like the Bill Gates Foundation? Obviously, there's a lot of amazing people who have decided to try to help the world that have some money. And is there an interaction with some of those so that you can work on the list of what's important to do together, or is it all separate? Uh, yes and no. First of all, we only take on things that nobody else is doing. That's okay. that's one of our criteria. Mm -hmm. So if Gates is interested in countering malaria, we don't deal with malaria, except one of our diseases is lymphatic filariasis, which is elephantiasis, those gigantic limbs. Mm -hmm. It's caused by a mosquito female mosquito. She always bites at night. So mm. what we did was we started handing out um, bed nets and we said, sleep under the bed net. And if the mosquito lands on the net, it can't get to you. Mm -hmm. it, and uh, people said, okay, fine. And we handed out three and a half million bed nets. And suddenly the, the prevalence of lymphatic filariasis had dropped by 50%. Wow. Uh, but the prevalence of malaria dropped by 50% overnight as well because mm. they're first cousins, these mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And one carries malaria, one carries lymphatic filariasis. Mm. They both land on the net. They can't get to the people. So, yes, we have, we have partnered with mm -hmm. the Gates Foundation. They've been very generous with us. And they, they realize that we are doing work that nobody else is doing, and they're supporting that. And just by happenstance, we are, we are working and helping them at the same time. Do you sometimes, it seems like, you know, here we are, we're talking, and this is kind of a travel show, and we're talking about interesting things in travel, but there's a whole new world of people that do care more about the world. And I do have hope when I see that some of the younger people who travel really do want to go out there and do good. And, and some people will actually go to areas that need help and will take their vacation time and try to help organizations. Do you ever find some of those people reaching out, or do you find the people that want to help um, being involved in trying to make some of these things possible to make the world a better place? Yes, all the time. We, we have any number of people on staff who were former Peace Corps volunteers, uh, which speaks directly to the kind of person or personality that you talk about. And uh, we have any number of people who come to us and say, please let me volunteer. Let, let me help you with and then fill in the blank. And sometimes we are able to use that expertise and sometimes we're not. But we, we certainly always, uh, we, we look to see if that particular expertise can fill a niche that we need at that moment. Because there's always a big need for more people helping, isn't there? Always, yes. But Always. at the same time, the protocol to know 
that you're not going to do damage and how to help. Because a lot of people have gone around the world trying to think they could help, and sometimes they've actually done damage even with the intention well, of helping. Well, and, and, and yes, and, and here's another part of the Carter Center is that um, we make sure that we take no credit whatsoever. It's all uh, uh, by example. Um, the government of Liberia was dealing with Ebola. You remember a few years That's ago, terrible, it was, yeah. you know, a hundred people that, that week, and then three hundred people the next week dead, and then my gosh, it was a thousand people that week who died, and mm-hmm. twelve hundred, and the numbers just kept rising and rising and rising and rising, and then all of a sudden, it just stopped mm-hmm. cold. Well, the reason it stopped cold was because the Ministry of Health called us and said, you know, you created a health care network, mm-hmm. a health delivery system, really, uh, when you took care of guinea worm in our country. Could you come and do the same for Ebola? Mm. And we said yes. And we went back and we brought 7,000 chieftains together from all over the country wow. of Liberia. We brought them together and we said, look, this is the disease. This is how you get it. This is how you stop it. Now go home and stop it. And they did. And overnight... It went from 1,000 and 1,200 people dying a week to zero. And again, I went back and I thought, what a wonderful thing to be able to tell the world about. And President Carter said, yes, and the government of Liberia is taking the credit for it because that's how we do it. So that the next next country that comes along in need doesn't think that we're here doing it for our own safety or our own sake. For it will, They'll get the credit. And yeah. and because they know we have a track record that they're going to get the credit, yeah. that they have a great deal of faith in us that we will provide the best service possible. Well, it does make me think that in government, it's a lot of the people behind the scenes, and sometimes it's Pentagon, sometimes it's CIA, sometimes it's a lot of other people you don't even know about that are doing a lot of work that never get any recognition. They, you never hear their names. You don't know what they're doing. We don't even know when they die, you know, because a lot of them are doing the work that we don't see, you know. Um, we hear when things go wrong, you know, <laughs> when something goes sideways, but we don't always know what that's about. Yet here you are, you know, you, you're taking some of that efforts of being able to really reach people, it sounds like, with the connections that were set up and taking some of them and implementing it away from politics totally. Yes. Because none of this is about politics at, at all. Not at all. No, we have this, this is really all just to help the world. Uh, we have a board of trustees, half of whom are Republican, half of whom are Democrat. Really? Really? Our former chair of the board was Oz Nelson, who was the head of, of UPS for many years as CEO, had never voted for Jimmy Carter, didn't even like Jimmy Carter during his administration. And here he found himself as chairman of our board of trustees, because politics plays no role whatsoever in anything that we do. Mm-hmm. And we prove that time and again. I mean, the eradication of guinea worm is not a political issue or, or river blindness or any of the diseases that we work on. It, there's no politics there. There, mm-hmm. there is no personal gain for anyone. But there's certainly the connections you would get from politics being put to work and transformed in these situations. It depends on the country we're working in. I guess so. I, you, I, I mean, I can't help but feel that you're an ambassador here. I mean, you obviously must be traveling a lot. I mean, when you just said you were in Alaska, now you're here. How much of the time are you spending going around the world being an ambassador? I spend about a half my time on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a particular expertise. I was hired uh, initially 
uh, as, as you uh, you read half of my title on the business card, Chief Development Officer, for estate and gift planning. I have an expertise in estate and gift planning or estate planning. Which and, is very important. And, and can be very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there are people who want to help the Carter Center continue its work, don't really have financial resources today to do so, but would still like to do something, they often will call me and I'll say, well, let me ask just a, a bunch of questions and see if we can't work something out that as a trust as a as a trust mm-hmm. the peop, a lot of people by example i was chatting with one lady just talking about the carter center as we are now she said, oh i'd really love to support it but i really don't have a lot of money mm-hmm. and i said well I, I didn't come to ask you for money a lot mm-hmm. or otherwise but she said but i'd really like to help somehow and i said well uh you know you could leave the carter center something in, in your will mm-hmm. and she said well, i never thought about that and uh, she said, like, like what? And I said, well, uh, uh, your house, uh, artwork, uh, car. I mean, people leave us all kinds of things, mm-hmm. which we then are able to sell. And we take that money and turn it into the work that we do. And I do want to say before we go any further that our track record for administrative costs is as low in the world as anybody's. Um, we Eight cents on the dollar. Wow is spent on all of administration, including fundraising, and wow. 92 cents on every dollar goes to program. What's the website that people can find out about what you're talking about? if they CarterCenter.org. Carter, CarterCenter.org. That's it. CarterCenter.org. Um, you know, it, it's it's pretty, I mean, we, we hear a lot of, there's a lot of bitterness and anger and frustration about what's going on in the world and in politics. And I think it's really important that people hear stories like this to know that uh, there are people out there that are caring and staying under the radar, not doing it for the publicity, but doing it to make a difference in the world, and that they are making a difference because I hate to see it, but there's a lot of people who kind of are, are getting very cynical and giving up hope about the world situation. I, I've met many people who are in the process of giving up hope for whatever reason, and we talk about the Carter Center, and they realize there is a bright spot out there, and 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 we are getting the job done. A ri- river blindness uh, is all but completely eradicated from the Western Hemisphere, which... And again, explain to people what river blindness is. Of course. Uh, it's um, a black fly. Um, it's a, it's a uh, f- flies that um, are actually attracted to human eyes. Mm. Uh, we have pictures of children that look like they have uh, horn rim glasses and as you get closer you realize it's all flies mm-hmm. and and um um it, and when they bite around the eyes they dry out the eye sockets mm-hmm. and the person goes blind um we can correct that with a medication and um we can make sure that that disease never comes back into a community we can actually eradicate it from the entire community if we give medication twice a year to everyone for three years, that bacteria no longer exists in the community, mm. and it's just gone. And we have been incredibly successful in the Western Hemisphere getting that done. The only place that's really left is is parts of Africa, and we've already uh, – the most endemic communities in Africa have already been uh, freed. Uh, we've broken transmission of that of that disease. I have to ask you, I mean, what you're doing sounds like it's costing, must cost millions of dollars. I can't even imagine what kind of 
outlay of money is going to make this happen? I mean, so, I mean, obviously, the budget must be kind of mind-boggling of what you have to spend to make this happen. Um, so our budget is $200 million a year. Wow. And $100 million of that is given to us by Big Pharma through these medications which we distribute. Hmm. Uh, this past year, we distributed our 500 millionth dose of medication to get rid of these diseases. And um, if it was not for Pfizer and Merck, we would not have the opportunity. We would have to raise twice as much money as we do. I'm really shocked because I never saw that side of them. I have to say I'm impressed. I did not know they did that. And they, too, do not take a lot of high visibility. for. You know, they just sort of do it. It's low-key, and they've been doing it for 25 years, and they're happy to do it, and they keep doing it, and God bless them for it. And, and somebody asked me recently, well, you know, is it like expired stuff? No, they're actually making it right then and there and mm -hmm. and giving it to us, and then we distribute it. Wow. Um, and the other $100 million we raise in cash, and most of it comes from individuals. The, uh, you know, we're, we're just about running out of time. We only have two minutes. But, you know, I think you do an amazing job of explaining it. But I have to wonder, because there's a lot of people in the world that have kind of turned against um, the United States and think pretty negatively about us right now. I mean, wouldn't it be good, even though you try to keep a low pro profile, to know that there is this kind of work being done to help the world. Uh, in other parts of the world, I guarantee you we have very high visibility. If I walked into a, uh, a group of 100 people in Ethiopia or mm -hmm. uh, Rhodesia or, 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 I mean, almost any third world country and, and some developed countries – Asked about the Carter Center, lots of hands would go up. Mm -hmm. it just uh, interesting. I met a, a gentleman from Sudan who was opening doors at a Sheraton. He was a, a doorman at a Sheraton. I had my baseball cap on, said the Carter Center, and he wouldn't let me go. He said, wow. "You've saved my life. You saved my family's wow. life." You know, he mm -hmm. started crying. He couldn't help it. He hugged me. It's like th you're welcome, wow. but that's the effect here in the United States. People haven't heard of the Carter Center. We wish they did, and if they go to CarterCenter.org, they'll find it themselves. But overseas, people know us very well. Well, you know, I, I find this to be a very inspiring time talking with you. And um, you. you do an amazing job explaining it. And I'm so glad you took the time to come in. Oh, thank you. Um, I know you, you, you're tied in with Rotary and was hoping to do that, but that didn't quite happen. So I feel blessed that you took the time to come and explain it and spend time with us today. And it seems appropriate on Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. Um, to be able to talk about this because there's a, a wonderful dream that Jimmy Carter has. And if you ever talk to him, will you please tell him how I just think he is fantastic and he's a hero. And we just love what he has done and what you are doing and the organization is continuing to do. I'll be happy to pass that along. Yeah, Thank absolutely, you. absolutely love it. Uh, we have like a, um, a 40 seconds left. Kathy Takushi, people can contact you at... Uh, Kathy at CaptivatingJourneys.com or 244-1414. And you and Tina are there and busy. And now, again, very happy to book these trips to Japan now, having gone there and seeing why people want to go to Japan. Yes, definitely. Or, or any AMA a waterway cruise or, you know, there's some lovely ones happening. And any other Paul Gauguin cruises that are being offered at special com on rates because there's a few of those that are really good deals that are coming up soon now. Yep. The February's there's still I think February tenth still has uh, availability, uh, and up until May we haven't gotten any new dates out yet. 
Well, thank you so much, and we wish everyone still a happy New Year. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next week.